a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the RSL Show. I am uh, now a host, Andy Munoz. Over there in the corner, because we don't have a third microphone currently, is Joshua Clark. Hey, everybody. He is here, and uh, right in front of me, we have the... I hate saying that whole man, the myth, the legend stuff, but you really are a legend amongst a lot of people with the club. Uh, We got Trey Fitzgerald. Uh, from the Claret and Cobalt podcast. Yep. And uh, director of communications for Real Salt Lake officially. Uh, Trey, we are here to discuss a few things. I know uh, we all kind of got to get out of here for Thanksgiving. Um, also, if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving, thank you uh, for including us in your holiday. We're thankful for you. Very thankful. Um, but, Trey, talk to us a little. Let's just get right into it. Sure. Talk to us a little bit about. Uh, Seattle, um, your experience, your thoughts, uh, we ran into each other. Yeah. Uh, overall, I know you have to be very positive and you always are. I don't think you have ever lied to this fan base or anything like that. Um, but what were you, what was your feeling going into Seattle, going into Lumen Field? Sure. What were you feeling that day? And what was the the club feeling? I mean, yeah. you're around them all. Yeah, the vibes were good, man. And and this is the thing. Like, obviously nobody thought we'd go in and win that game. And um, I guess technically we didn't win it. It's a tie after 120 minutes. We'll get into that. But nobody thought we would eliminate Seattle in advance to go back to Kansas City. Look, I'm a – I don't know if naive is the right – but I'm always very hopeful, right? for success for this club and like you and Josh and so many people that are listening, I think have the kind of the same feeling. I was not negative going in because I mean, after what we saw in in Kansas city a few weeks ago, like anything can happen, you know? And look, I didn't think we'd lose at home to San Jose. I didn't think we'd lose at home to Portland on Kyle Beckerman night. Um, I knew the Kansas city game was going to be really, really tough and you know Demir came up massive, right? And uh, and then we're in the playoffs. Playoffs is a it's, it's always a crazy tournament. And with the international breaks, you don't have the home and home series like you used to. So now it's a one off single elimination. And as as we've lived in this club, anything can happen. And 
going back to Seattle 12 years in a day after we beat L.A. in penalty kicks there, I told Pablo when we were walking out on the field, he had to go do a Fox interview. I was like, dude, there's just there's just good vibes here. Like, the turf sucks. There's, there's 35,000, 40,000, 50,000 people, whatever it's going to be, screaming against you. But, like, our club is always – even though we haven't won in Seattle a lot, like our greatest win was there, right? So I don't know, man. I just felt good. The guys felt good. Obviously, the Rusnak stuff with his COVID test and wondering if it's false positive and then him getting retested and separated from the group and then ultimately not being able to join us in Seattle. Like it sucked having to try to play that game without Albert. And that's probably why you saw. Seattle have 64% of the possession or whatever it was. Um, And I hate to beat a dead horse, man. Seattle's always had an awful, awful turf up there. It used to be like marbles in a bathtub. It was just frantic, and nobody could control the ball, and it was like wide open. And we've been on the end of some of those games. And, look, we won a couple up there. And then the turf they have now, because the the Seahawks really run that building – it's a little slower, it's a little thicker, but it still feels kind of hard. I don't know how to describe it, but you could tell like our guys during the game when they're dribbling and it kind of spins a funny way or a, the ball would just stop or you know they they'd hit a pass and sometimes it's too hard, sometimes it's too soft. Like just trying to get the weight of how the ball is going to react on that turf. I just felt like that limited us. I don't think anybody went into that game thinking, "Hey, we're going to put everybody behind the ball and we're not going to take any shots like I, I rewatched the broadcast yesterday and 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 Josh and I were talking offline as well and look the first half you know there was a few kind of half chances and crosses that if they if the ball just slides a different way or if it's a, a little bit better I don't know half beat um then maybe we do go up one nothing because like Seattle wasn't exactly dangerous either, and um, I know we got a lot to get into with Achoa and his time wasting and and you know as the game went on like they're bodying up uh, Demir and with no Albert to take pressure off of that, we just didn't have anybody that could um, that could really dictate the tempo of the game with the ball. And um, but we did what we had to do, and and I'm excited to go to Kansas City not only because it's the next round, but um, even though we we won't have Albert, um, it's a better surface. I think I think we can get back to kind of playing soccer. Yeah, and you know Seattle pulled out all the stops, right? They've got you had Christian uh, rolled on on yep. the field. You had Rui Diaz on the field. You had Morris on the field. Um, from my perspective, uh, KSL Sports flew me out. I was right behind the south end goal. Uh, there was probably one cross where had someone just been in there to tap it, um, we might have been down 1-0, but it was just a strong Seattle team. And so, you know, kind of going into, into KC, um, knowing that we've beat them 1-0, it's, uh, it, it makes me feel very good and very hopeful. But back to, like, the good vibes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you're within the club. You're traveling charter with them. You're in it. Is there anything that you could share just overall from like maybe things that 
like what were the, what was like the mental sure. attitude of the players? I mean, you you lose you lose Albert Rusnak. I'll be honest, when I heard the news an hour prior to the match, you know, it almost kind of it it's a little bit of a downer. Yeah. Um and you can't help but feel like man, it's going to be a lot tougher and maybe this is the coffin in the nail for us. Yeah. Uh I think you guys had knowledge of that obviously if he wasn't traveling with you guys um uh, of his you know testing prior but did you is there anything that you could share that you know sure. attitude wise mental wise from the well, players Well yeah and look with Albert you know you kind of thinking shit we're going to have to play this game without him but there's still a hope that hey if if this test comes back negative and he gets a couple negative rapid test does it undo this and you know we're just grasping at straws i know the trainers were probably a lot more stressed than they let on in terms of trying to get him there but ultimately um you know look albert is your captain he's a guy that played all but 15 minutes over 34 games and now suddenly he's missing a full 90 or in this case a full 120 and but you bring up mentality, and I'm I'm glad you brought up that word because just being around Pablo and and Matt Taylor, his assistant, and seeing how they talk to the guys. You know, these are guys that played in MLS for a long time. Matt Taylor also played over in Germany for a while, and um, they really believe that it's a player's locker room, and. You know, Pablo is constantly talking publicly and privately about, hey, when I was a player, this is this is what I liked from my coach and this is what I hated. And and he'll say, like, I don't want to be one of that those coaches that just shoves stuff down guys' throats. And then the player has to feel like, well, I got I got my marching orders, I gotta do this. Pablo is very much and has been from when he Got here as an assistant, spent, what, six months, four months under Freddie. Then, you know, he did do a few things, and we can talk about this, the things he did to kind of separate himself from Freddie. But with all the formation changes, like the three five two came about because Aaron Herrera was hurt, came back for a game, then got yellow card suspended. So, and then Silva was hurt. So, like, you have to figure out a formation or a setup that, that tries to allow a lot of things to happen. And, and certainly the three five two got Albert off the wing and more into the central part of the field, and it got Demir closer to the goal. And obviously we were scoring a ton of goals. We were creating a ton of chances. We were really, really fun to watch. And we had kind of 500 results, right? And then um, – but anyway, getting back to Seattle, it was just – and whether it's a, a guy like Justin Miram who's been part of four organizations, he had 16 games of playoff experience. Um, I mean, you forget that that guy played for Atlanta United. Yeah. You know? Atlanta, it, Orlando, he had his best success, I think, in Columbus. But he's played in a lot of big playoff games, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I, I can go a million directions. But even though Albert was gone, the, the group never felt – you never felt like the air go out of the room or out of the group. And and I think this is where Pablo's talk about mentality. Like, I think every guy that's in the 11, every guy that dresses that that is in the 20, every guy of the 30 that is in the training sessions every day, they all feel a certain amount 
of ownership. And I think Pablo wants them to feel total ownership. And so the stories we heard about, so Justin Glad goes on, um, you know, ESPN 700 does an interview with Bill Riley, and he's talking about maybe Justin Miram was going to take that sixth PK. And, but Glad said, you know, he was feeling it and, and Miram encouraged him. And, and that's just Miram being a veteran. Like I'm good, but if you're feeling it right now, like you should go right now. And basically what Pablo later said to Spence Checkets on ESPN 700 was, look, I just told those guys they got to figure it out, you know? And, but, and I thought this was so cool from Pablo. He basically said, if the guys go in, whether it's penalty kicks or anything else, if they know going in that they own it and they own their spot and they're confident, then they have made that kick before they ever have to take it. And I thought that was just a really cool way. And for Justin Glad, let's talk about this for a second, guys. Justin Glad steps up. He's an academy kid. He's been around the organization forever. I think we forget how young he is. He steps up and makes that, you know, essentially the game-winning kick. And this is a guy who under both Mike Pecky and Freddie Juarez would play 95% of the games in the season and then get benched in the playoffs. So how freaking cool is that for him to step up? And I think he was so happy and that guy loves this club as much as anybody. And that's I could I could I feel like I could say that about everybody. I mean even like Ashton Morgan hadn't played in I don't know a month and he comes in and he played 15 minutes of really good just doing the job he needed to do to keep everything on lock. Um, that's, when, a, that's a name I forgot, right? Ashton Morgan. <laughs> but, um, you know, Andrew Brody ran his butt off for 105 minutes. And yeah. I don't know, man. It's just so cool to see every day, every game, it seems like somebody different kind of steps up. And, I mean, we haven't even gotten to David Ochoa yet. Like, right. he was – I didn't feel like he was – egregiously time-wasting in the first half. But, you know, he'd take a few extra this here, that there, mm-hmm. and then he gets the yellow. You know, Pablo Ruiz was going back and forth with the referee the whole game, and there's a foul early in the second half. I think it was Menendez thought he got fouled, and there's no call. And literally Ochoa sprints like 80 yards up yeah. the field up to, the half. to yell at the referee, and the ref gave him a yellow card, but – in some ways, isn't that really smart for him to get that yellow card there? Because now he can he can do all the time wasting, and the ref's not going to give him kind of a throwaway time wasting yellow card if it ends up being a red card in a playoff game. I just I think that the referees aren't trying to change the game, and that would have changed the game. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you have to give David a red or for, for or a second yellow, and so. I don't know how calculated that all is. I haven't talked to David specifically about it, but man, I love it. And you know, Twitter's blowing up, and you have guys like Brian Dunseth and Alexi Lawless and Taylor Twelman and Andrew Weeby and everybody saying David Cho is the most interesting thing about this game. And if he's choosing to be the villain and he's gesticulating at the Seattle crowd, I, I just thought it was awesome. And you got a lot of good video of that when you were up there, Andy. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, it was a it was a hostile environment. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was setting up the camera uh, right in front of the supporter section, um, some lady had noticed that, you know, I, I had talked to like a staff member from Real Salt Lake. I think it was Tyler because Tyler was proudly wearing his Real Salt Lake beanie, yeah. right? 
And so she's like, are you from out of town? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm from Salt Lake. I'm here to cover. And she goes, do not. She's like, whatever you do, like, do not let these guys know that you're with Salt Lake at all. Right. Like, don't celebrate if you score a goal, basically. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy, 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 crazy environment. Um, it's, you know, I said it on the, on the Instagram live that we did, uh, Lumen Field is Rio Tinto stadium on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's an NFL, uh, stadium, a lot of history, massive, huge, and it filled up. I mean, it was to me, I mean, I, I forget to look up sometimes. I don't know if it was a sellout crowd. I would expect, uh, that it's either sold out or close to that. Yeah, I think it was sold out for their, they have a few different capacities, but they didn't open up the upper bowl, but yeah, it was packed. It was thirty four thousand and change in the lower bowl, yeah. and they're into it. Yeah, and so you hear. I think, I think it riles up David in the sense because I mean, you know, they're not saying nice. I I don't know. I mean, you're not shit talking in a nice way. Yeah. You're saying some pretty horrible things. Sure, and they're saying it in Spanish, and so it's like, mm. yeah, yeah, David, like give it back. You know, not in the sense of. You know, he's not going to turn around and shout anything, but yeah, waste time. Be that be that goalkeeper that everybody hates. Um, and you know what? For me, Stefan Fry, I I just, I've never liked that guy. I respect mm, him, but I sure. just dislike him because he's, you know, same antics. So, um, and you know, I kind of want to talk about the PKs. And so Pablo Ruiz, let's kind of yeah, go back to his. Sure. Um, his, his, his first PK is blocked. And uh, thankfully, pro referees noticed that Stefan Fry came off of his line early. Uh, what were you feeling? What kind of emotions were you feeling? Because you were right behind yeah. the goal watching that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what was Trey Fitzgerald? Well, what was going through your mind? I'm always pulling for Pablo because Pablo was one of the guys that went over to Austria and really kind of found himself again. Um, and I always want him to do well. And his... You know, his career at Real Salt Lake since coming back from Austria, I think, has been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, and it's funny, he was getting killed on Twitter during the game. And when I rewatched the broadcast yesterday, I didn't think he was bad. I think he had some problems with the ball on the turf, overrunning some things, but everybody did. I, I didn't think he was whatever. Anyway, I think he's a guy that the people love to kind of pick on he's he might be playing a little bit out of position like if we ever went back to a 442 diamond like he'd be perfect in one of those like Grabavoy or Will Johnson roles on like the side of the diamond but you know he's he's a technically talented guy um and he's being asked to carry a lot of defensive weight in the way uh, we're set up now in both the 352 or the 4231 so anyway when he missed that pk like Obviously, like, my heart kind of drops. My mind starts going back to, you know, the PKs in Chicago um, in 2009, the PKs in Seattle against L.A. in 2009, and the PKs in Kansas City. Because in every one of those PK shootouts, we were down, I think, 3-1. to one. And somebody screwed up, right? Whether it was Fabian Espindola or Ned Grabovoy or Alvaro Sabario, like, somebody missed a kick. Now... That particular kick of Pablo's reminded me because he hit it with his left. And Josh just said it. It was very Sebastian Velasquez circa 2013. 
and <laughs> and that is where my mind went because so Sebastian hit that PK in 2013, and so like that was. Nap Orchards should have taken that shot, right? Because he takes the next one in 2013 and slams blasted, it home. Blasted. But Sebastian, you know, Sebastian, I think, was a rookie in 13. Lefty, you know, and Garth always said, le- you know, left footed players can't hit a ball as hard as right footed players, which doesn't make sense to me, but it kind of sometimes bears itself out. So, you know. Thankfully, as you said, VAR saw that Fry was way off his line, and um, a and call they, goes our way finally. Yeah, and they'd been watching it, so like you could see the refs talking to both keepers a lot before and during the shootout about staying on the line, and uh, and Pablo stepped up and he hit it, I think, to the same side the second time, but he hit it with a lot more force. And uh, and everything kind of stayed true. Redemption. Yeah, yeah. So that's good for Pablo, man, yeah. and it's good for everybody. And and it it actually uh, it kept my blood pressure down because even though like I had all these other memories going through my head, like I don't know, I just had a calm about about me, which is weird for me. If in case you didn't know, but you um, know, so one thing I love about Trey that I found out in seattle is that you are indeed very superstitious and i hear about you know i hear talk, people talk about superstition and um you know like either you wear a, a certain piece of clothing uh to a match um i'm gonna shout out bean mace so bean mace was there too uh he, he was a big part of my trip to seattle big shout out to him nice. he, he helped me carry some equipment after the game too uh but he wore a jersey honoring um, I didn't know him personally, but his name uh, J Y Josh, J Y. What's a what's a, his first name? J Jeremy. Jeremy York, um, uh, a big avid supporter. Like I've heard nothing but good things um, from our previous friends. I don't, I never got to meet him. It, that was before I I lived here. But uh, he passed away. Um, one of our uh, really good friends' uh, brother, Aaron York. Yeah. So. He, he, you know, Bean's wearing the jersey, and wow. he's wearing it for, you know, the That's luck, cool. the good luck. Yeah. And, um, but what I found out about you, because I, I asked you, I think it was after the first half, mm. we're sitting there, we're kind of talking, and um, I see you just kind of, you know, standing there pacing. It's cold as hell, and I'm asking you if you're going to move, yeah. if you're going to go anywhere else. And you say, no, I'm going to stay put, because I feel like the mo- the minute I, I came over <laughs> here... You know, like Real Salt Lake is sunk in in a good place at zero zero at the half. I feel really good about it. Yeah. And you stayed put. And arguably, you know, the second half kind of goes the same way. We go obviously into extra time. It was it was good soccer. I mean, a lot of people are going to say it's it's terrible soccer. Zero shots from yeah. Real Salt Lake. But you stayed put. Your demeanor was great. Huh. We go into PKs. And obviously, we end up winning. When did that whole superstition stuff start for you, man? Like, has so, that just been like a lifelong thing in soccer? It's weird, man. Because like, I watched the first half. I was up in the box, and you know, ourselves okay. Like, we played fine. We weren't awful. <laughs> but I came down on the field at halftime, and. And I, because I had to go to the locker room to grab my jacket, and um, 
I wanted to come say hi to you. And I was like, oh, I'll just watch the second half from here. And then we got through those 45 minutes, which I think were a little uglier than the first 45. But it was it was at that intermission between the 90 and the 120 where you and I had this conversation. Okay. And I was like, look, I kind of wanted – sometimes I'll go hang out by the bench, too, on the sideline in certain venues and – just to kind of switch up the mojo, but like that night in Seattle, I was like, I don't, I don't want to mess anything up, <laughs> you know. Not that, not that I actually have any influence on anything, but hey. it was just like I'm gonna stay here. And then it was funny because Samantha Yara, she came by and she's like, "Come hang out with me," and I was like, "She's like, we need your energy," and I was like, "Yeah, but like." If we go over there, it'd be because I think maybe me moving would help us score, but. If I leave and we get scored on, like that's exactly what goes through my head. Yeah, and it's so stupid; it makes no sense. No, hey. But anyway, every, everybody's valid. got their little whatever traditions or idiosyncrasies. And on this night, I just thought I'm going to stay right here and I watch that whole second half and the whole overtime and the whole PKs from that one spot. Like I, I barely moved, and um, and then I felt like. I realized that we won it as soon as Glads went in, and Achoa realized it. I felt like it took the rest of the stadium an extra second to realize like we won the game. Same here, I because I didn't know if it was like a, I didn't know it was going best of five and then like maybe a tiebreaker like one by one. Yeah. So I'm pointing yeah. the camera. Yeah, we're in sudden death there, and I'm just waiting for okay, like what's happening, and then I see Real Salt like and you run see onto the, the our field. guys run from midfield. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was a little bit of a delay. Yeah, yeah and. I've thought back to that moment for a, a few times over the last, you know, 24 hours or whatever it's been. I think the fans were shocked because they were, you know, there were parts of the game they were loud. There were parts of the game that they were really quiet. Then there was a cool moment. I don't remember when it was, like 78th minute maybe something. They started singing a certain song, and it's like, you know, hey, Salt Lake, we don't hear anything. And – but I just thought it was cool hearing that many people sing and supporting their team. And I heard a lot of the negative comments towards Ochoa. Most of them were some variation of you're not Nick Ramondo, which <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, but David loved it, man. And, yeah. you know, he loved getting into it with the ref. He was it getting, fuels him. Yeah. And, it fuels and, him. and so, sorry, I wanted to circle back to this because Pablo had told the Fox guys um, the bigger the moment, the tighter the moment, he thinks it's – that's when Ochoa is at his best and when he's better. And we saw it in Kansas City a few weeks ago, and we saw it in Seattle. Uh, we've seen it a few other times this year, so uh, hopefully we see it again this Sunday. Yeah, uh, feeling really good about Sunday. Um, but, yeah, man, the atmosphere, you're right. It was just – it was electric, but it also just kind of felt like it was just like, you know, think, good things were going to go – for Real Salt Lake. and um, Well, and the longer that game is 0-0 or 1-1, the better it was always going to be for us. And Pablo said this, too. He's like, look, the pressure's on them. Like, they're the ones that are home. They're the ones that are the heavy favorites. They're the ones that the longer the game is kind of in question, their fans are going to put the pressure on them. The onus is on them to win the game. And, and I think Pablo said the onus, you know, all, we just had to find a way. You know, or something like that. I thought it was an interesting dichotomy as he described it. But mm -hmm. you know, so the look, the plan wasn't to go in and play negative soccer and try to get out in PKs. But the plan was to 
to try to obviously limit their chances, which we did, and um, make it tough. Yeah, make it really tough on them. And look, they didn't have a lot of great chances. Like Jordan Morris had that one after um, somebody was running at Glad for like forty yards, and then but they just weren't on the same page either. You know, Seattle they hadn't won since early October and. Um, I don't know. It's just it was an interesting game, and it's obviously it's a different game of chess when it's win or go home, when it's not part of a series, when it's not part of a regular season. Did you have any interaction with uh, Freddie Juarez at all? Did you say I didn't? Um, I was not on the field uh, pregame when he did hug you know a lot of people, um, which I thought was really cool that people on the RSL side, all went out of their way to say hi and give him a hug. And, you know, look, we've seen Freddie a couple times since he left. Um, and then uh, there's some funny stuff on Twitter, obviously showing him up in the booth. And Judas is like somebody did a fake Chiron over uh, the Fox stuff. <laughs> did you see the uh, video? I, I believe it was uh, Megan Van Dyke uh, shared it. No, it was Samantha Sam Yark. Yeah, Freddie on three. That was yeah. Justin Miram. Yeah, so they were, they did you see that? They were going to do a post-game photo in the locker room, and they were running the highlights on the news in the (laughs) locker room when we walked in. So everybody's singing and dancing, watching the end of the game, and then uh, then Laura Dearden on our staff said, hey, let's do a photo, and they were kind of assembling for the photo, and there was kind of a dead second. And Justin Miriam goes, okay, Freddie on three. (laughs) Everybody goes, Freddie. Yeah, it was awesome, man. So. No, yeah, it was cool to see the acknowledgement. Um, certainly kind of squashes that weird beef, quote-unquote, uh, that I think a lot of people uh, assumed existed. I mean, you know, when I, fresh after the news that, you know, Freddie was going to go back and, or excuse me, just leave RSL as the head coach and go be an assistant, I remember Rubio Rubin's uh, media press availability. Yep. You know, he didn't necessarily say anything directly about freddie but it was very uh hey like you know if you don't believe in us then yeah like go on your merry way right yeah and and look i don't i don't think there was guys that um because i've talked to a lot of guys about it and people like i think everybody kind of feels probably the way we do it was kind of a weird time to make that decision but in this business at some point and players know this better than anybody you have to make a decision that's best for you and your family. And look, Freddie, Freddie's gotten four years guaranteed as an assistant at what is probably the best run organization in Major League Soccer. Um, he look, he wasn't gonna get this job. I just don't feel that in my gut. That I don't know. Maybe like the team could have done something. It could have gone, you know. But I just think that the page was about to be turned in one way or another. And yeah. Freddie took the safe option. And as the Fox guy said, that window was closing. He had to make a decision. Um, I did get to see Craig Weibel and Garth Lagerway when I was up there, spent actually a lot of time with both those guys. Um, I do wish I had seen Freddie, but I like, as Pablo says, whenever he's asked about this, like it's not about RSL versus Freddie or one guy's decision. It's it. Everything we're trying to do right now is is about stuff that's so much bigger than that, and it is about the group. And um, this is where those kind of good vibes come back in into play. Is um, you know whether it's Justin Miram kind of being a leader. Um, I mean, think about 
we haven't given up a goal in 255 minutes. The last goal we gave up was that last one against Portland right before halftime. And you've got four academy kids um, or graduates. I shouldn't call them kids, but in David Ochoa, Aaron, uh, Aaron Herrera, Justin Glad, and Andrew Brody. And obviously Marcelo Silva's return. He's been he's been a monster back there uh, since he got back. It's crazy to think that all of those guys have just been playing with each other for yeah. close to a decade. Well, and those are the guys that were closest to Freddie. Freddie was their coach down in Arizona. Yeah. You know? um, Taking him to movies after practice yeah. and all that, keeping him out of trouble. Yep. He's a father figure yep. for those guys. That's exactly right. Um, That's exactly right. So I saw Freddie. He was walking uh, behind the goal before the match started, and uh, I, I I pulled my mask down a little bit, which yeah. I, in hindsight I'm like, this was – you know, probably not the best thing for me to do, but I go, Hey, Freddie. I'm like, I don't know if you remember me. And he goes, Oh yeah, I remember you. I go, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, it's good to see you, man. Like, thank you so much for everything you did for RSL. And he just went on his way. So he, yeah, he remembers, he remembers coming on the RSL show, man. Uh, it was pretty cool. Nice to say hi, hi to him, but I'm pretty sure he, uh, <laughs> he knows about all the, the talking that we've done in the past <laughs> years. Whoops. Yeah. Um, it was a really cool moment to see the entire team embrace Freddie. Uh, I'm, I'm glad my camera was rolling on that. Um, also kind of weird to see him just wearing like a Seattle Sounders green beanie. Uh, but yeah, it, that was weird. It was weird seeing Weibel wearing Sounders gear too. I was like, yeah. okay, whatever. It's very weird. But, um, you know, kind of to, to what you were mentioning, you, yeah, you have to do what what, what is best. And um, if you guys haven't had a chance, uh, we had Tom Hackett from KSL Sports sit with Elliot Fall uh, for an hour. It's on our YouTube. Elliot describes a culture within Real Salt Lake that I think is actually pretty healthy, um, especially for staff members, that if a club reaches out and says, hey, we want to speak to so-and-so, that Elliot's never going to close that door and he's going to allow his staff to have those conversations and that's exactly what happened, right? Seattle yep. calls, requests to talk to Freddie. Uh, Freddie takes the phone call and hears them out and uh, does what's best for him. Um, great for him, great for his family. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you're done, dude. Your season's done. And it feels really nice <laughs> to say that. Yeah, so Greg Lawless um, actually played in MLS. He's Alexi's brother. He's uh, had a great career as a journalist and an editor of different um, both print and online publications. But he has a great thread that I tweeted out yesterday. Um, Dunny's and uh, Taylor Twelman's Twitter feeds also have some of this stuff in there. But Greg Lawless, one of his, part of his thread was, I wonder what's going through Freddie Juarez's head this morning. <laughs> um Look, Freddie's Freddie's good, man, and he and we're, it's all love, right? It's yep. just like teasing. Yep. It's just hey, no, and look, it's part of the reason he had to make that decision the way he did is is because of our ownership situation. So right. nobody could tell him what the future was going to hold. But meanwhile, you know, literally the best run organization in the history of Major League Soccer that's made the playoffs every year they've been in the league 13 straight years they've they're unbeaten in 17 straight home playoff games and that streak is still intact because again our shootout win goes as a tie but um yeah i mean the sounders you know, they're live. offering him 300 something whatever a year 
Right. I, I don't know anybody that wasn't going to probably take that opportunity. But, again, I wasn't here um, this year for a lot of Freddie's stuff. Um, I have been here for Pablo, and uh, I got to tell you, I, I love being around Pablo as much as I can. The, the breath of fresh air. Excuse me. The breath of fresh air that Pablo Mastroini has has brought. And look, he probably brought it back in February or whenever he was hired. I just didn't get to experience it until right after he he kind of took over as the head man. Um, but I love the way he talks to the fans and the media, and the way he talks to the players, and the way he just interacts with everybody. and And I don't feel like this organization has had somebody like this since Garth in twenty fourteen. Somebody. Like Pablo, one of his, I think, special qualities is, and this was what we always said about Garth, right? He was the glue. So whether you were the security person on the press level that volunteered each game or whether you were Dave Checkets or whether you were somebody somewhere in between in whatever you consider the grand hierarchy, Garth made you feel like you were part of the RSL family. And, and for me, Pablo really does that. It's so, awesome. It's awesome. Is he going to be the new head coach? I don't know. Uh, did you hear that um, somebody was at Park Cafe the other day? A fan tweeted that Jason Christ was at Park Cafe. Oh, do you really? know? Do you know anything about that? Well, I do know Jason's youngest son um, goes to school at the U. But I'm a little mad if Jason came to Salt Lake and didn't, you know, tell me he was going to be here. Blink twice if he's going to be the new head coach. You're not blinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got to put some pressure. I on I mean, you, I don't know who the next head coach yeah, is going to be. Know. Like, you know, Pablo could could probably wrap it up if he wins a cup. I don't know. Wouldn't that be amazing, Pablo? I have a lot of belief in Pablo. This has very major league vibes. You guys remember that movie? No, I I remember basketball. Major league was early in our days of being alive. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. Great. Well, thank you for your contribution, Josh. Yeah, super good contribution, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh but no, I, I just I just wanted to to throw in that yeah. along with the major league vibes, this has a lot of two thousand nine vibes. A lot of uh MLS Cup two thousand nine. A lot of money ball vibes, but without the money. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way we want to know nine is is very similar to what's the path we're on now. So mm-hmm. it's it's just filling kinda cool. I don't wow. want to drink anything. Look but at you. Yeah. I know. I, I know. know. So, uh, what are okay? You're the biggest. You're the biggest Kansas City hater that I know. You're one of them, yeah. Um, are you are you nervous for Sunday? What is Joshua Clark feeling? Uh, I feel like we can't sit back like we did against Seattle, against Kansas City. I don't think we'll need to. I also think after the Demiracle game it's going to be really easy to get under the skin of the Kansas city players. I think we use that to our advantage. Maybe have them draw a red or two. I think it could happen because they're pissed, right? Their social media teams trying to act mad, but they're not good at it. Um, but yeah, I think we, if we agitate them enough and agitate that crowd, Nick a goal somewhat early, we can absolutely move on to the Western conference final. That is crazy to think that it's just a game between us and that. Yeah. Um, that's why the playoffs are so are so cool like if you get hot at the right time or or things click because i don't want i don't want to say we're getting hot right but things are clicking and and good things are happening right like the 
the vibes are there. I, I stole that from RSL's media team, but yeah. uh, but yeah, if, if you can, you know, do that for you know three more matches, you'll have a trophy. Um, good point. With uh, you know, with a with a matchup coming, obviously, uh, Rusnak, I don't think it's going to be available in no. any way, shape, not or till form. late next week, if if at all. Yeah. Right. So what's the what's the what's the protocol? Ten days? No. Well, he's got to clear because he tested positive. Yeah, ten days, and then he's got to test negative. Oh boy. So who knows, right? Yeah. Hopefully, he's uh, just. I mean, dude's a workhorse. He sure. If anyone's gonna, you know, shake it off quickly, oh, I would yeah. imagine it's a uh, in shape. How old is Albert? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah. yeah. But cool. Good vibes towards uh, Albert as well. Um, any. Any thoughts on the PKs? I mean, we we just described them, Josh. I think <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. As cert- as most players walked up, I was very confused as to the order. Mm-hmm. Very confused, right? <laughs> you don't traditionally see what three defenders and a defensive midfielder take them before your strikers. It's very interesting, but I like it because it. I feel like they went with whoever was feeling it, and that's the way to go. So yeah, I I thought team call. Most were very good penalties. Demir's was incredible. Marcelo Silva's was an excellent penalty. Did not expect that out of him. Um, caught a little break with Fry cheating off his line. And then Ochoa came up with a huge save, and off to Kansas City we go. I'm really happy that Fry's out. I, I mean, respect the guy. I've just I've never liked him. I don't I'm, know why. Honestly, I'm just glad Seattle's out, right? Like, it's yeah. been Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. It gets annoying. So. Yeah. Real uh, quick on the PKs, like, go yeah. listen um, – to Pablo's interview with Spence Chekets, and he talks about how that order was decided. And this goes back to kind of the ownership thing um, that Pablo gives the players because he basically just said he didn't determine the order. He said, who's number one? And Aaron Herrera goes, I'm number one. And then, okay, who's number two? And Pablo says, I'm number two. And then three, I think, was what? Demir. And then four was Bobby Wood. And then five was Marcelo. And then six, both Justins kind of at the same time said they wanted it. And so Pablo just said, you guys work it out. And they and then they did. And it was just – it just gives a nice window into how Pablo makes these decisions by committee with the guys. Like part of the reason Aaron Herrera switched, switched from the outside – kind of winger spot in the 352 to the back right center back spot in the 352 is cuz Aaron said like even though I should be able to get forward easier from there to whip balls in I don't have like a sense of my defensive responsibilities and and Pablo says okay well where do you want to be and he's like I want to be right here and and so yeah that's probably hurt some of Aaron's attacking prowess over the last whatever but um, now we've we've gone two games in a row with four in the back, and we haven't given up a goal in 255 minutes dating back. So who knows what's going to happen Sunday in Kansas City? But like, it's just I think it's really cool um, that everybody feels confident and entitled enough to have a voice and just and for Pablo to to be able to kind of. Make everybody – he feels that, like, giving them that voice gives them confidence. It's a lot of trust. Yeah. And you want trust from your, you know, superiors. 
Yeah. So, um, again, like you just said, it lets everybody kind of go do their job and do it with um, positive ideas. And um, I think Josh is right, though. This does have a little 2009 vibes and it could be a nice little RSL revenge tour. You start in Seattle, you go to Kansas City. Yeah, I've never had a Rocky Mountain Cup playoff match before. That could be fun. And I barely know who's on the eastern side of the bracket. I don't think we really have any rivals over there. But um, Interesting. Nashville's coached by Colorado's old coach. Bruce Arena is always fun, but I don't think he – I think he actually likes when he was the national team coach. He used to like coming to Salt Lake. So. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the match that's happening in a few hours. Uh, Colorado uh, versus Portland. Yeah. Um, who would you rather hmm. advance from those two teams? Colorado. Well, oh, why? Elaborate. We've beaten Colorado a few times this year. Haven't beaten Portland. Good point. That's Good point. Purely it. What about you, Trey? Um, I don't know. I guess I don't have a preference. I just want us to get by Kansas City, but yeah. <laughs> excuse me. It would be really cool to have a a Rocky Mountain Cup playoff match, but it could be cool to play Portland again, and maybe the third time's the charm. Who knows? So, um, yeah, but that know. is that is bringing on a lot of risk. I think. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah, those have been two pretty tough games against Portland. What have they outscored us nine to one this year? Yeah, that's. That's not fun. Yeah. But again, nobody believes in us but us. So I love it. Cool. Well, if you guys haven't seen, there's a very cool video online. Um, Justin Glad's sister watching the PK in real time, just absolutely going crazy. It's on the Major League Soccer account. Go check that out. Um, thanks for hanging out with us on Thanksgiving. I uh, hope you guys are eating a lot and uh, getting those much-needed breaks after – working our asses off um also uh before we go uh trey is there anything else that you want to share at all um i just want to basically um since it's thanksgiving um express to you guys uh at the rsl show and and basically to the whole fan base just how uh how thankful i am for you and for everybody who has passion for this club, who is um, opening up their lives to learn about soccer, because, um, you know, this club is like my home and uh, Salt Lake's become my home. And I'm just so happy and thankful to kind of be back in the mix. It's hard to believe I've only been back with the club like six weeks. It feels like a lot longer, but it's been a wild ride, um, I think. Everything the club's uh, gone through, we could not have survived without uh, the fans. And, um, you know, seeing the videos from uh, the watch parties the other night at Beer Bar and the stadium was just so, so cool. And uh, we get to do it all again on Sunday, and uh, I can't wait. So, anyway, I just want to let everybody uh, in the RSL family know how much uh, – how much uh, I appreciate and how much uh, thanks I want to give to them for for just believing in in this little seventeen year old soccer club and and us thinking like we could not only that we could change the world of soccer but that uh, the soccer could do a lot for this community. So it's been a two way street and it's been awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, we are going to wrap up. 
Josh, anything you'd like to say? Uh, keep an eye out for a giveaway on the Twitter later on today. Uh, Trey, thank you so much, dude. Um, the communication from the club, um, everybody at the club has just been wonderful to work with. Uh, so we take your message and we kind of throw that back, I think, as uh, the RSL show and as fans. It is so cool to kind of have this access to you guys and uh, for you willing to come out and, and do this on Thanksgiving. There's no other person. Look at me, Trey. There's no other person I'd rather spend Thanksgiving with, buddy. <laughs> I love you, you, dude. All right. Hey, um, RSL Show, follow us, obviously, on socials. Uh, follow KSL Sports. And uh, we also want to thank our uh, OneWire Fiber sponsor. Uh, go check them out, onewire.co. If you are a business owner, that is the best place for voice over IP in Utah. Those guys care, and they also wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great.